0: The official podcast of iHorror.com. This is episode 86, otherwise known as season 5, episode 8. I am your host, James J. Edwards, and with me, as always, is your other host, Jacob Davison. How are you doing, Jacob?
1: Uh, doing fine. Uh, excited to get the gang back together.
0: Yeah, we're recording a little late in the game here, so we haven't seen each other in a while, but all's good because we're here now. Um, also with us yet again is your other other host, John Korea. How are you doing, Korea?
2: I'm uh, starting to feel like a human again. Uh, spent two weeks in Vegas uh, working on American Ninja Warrior again. So, you know, I feel like any extended period of living out of a hotel kind of makes you feel inhuman. But in a place like Vegas, it's you, you lose your days very, very, very quickly. <laughs> yeah, you do. Sense of time. And I'm not even a gambler or partier or, you know, any of that stuff so like i just it yeah it still it still affects you
0: it's just the city yeah yep yeah. <laughs> <laughs> cool uh what have you guys been doing
1: uh i finally saw the northman oh sweet uh, what'd you think well it, to quote Metalocalypse, that was brutal it's totally brutal <laughs> yeah no that no that movie ruled um ah jeez. uh it, you know it was just I I don't know exactly how to put it. It's just it, Robert Eggers just actually brought an epic to life and it was funny too cuz like I didn't even realize that it was based off of Hamlet, or you know the original viking story that was the basis for Hamlet until yeah. I was watching it's like Prince Hamlet It's
0: like oh Hamlet okay. yeah yeah it's it's pretty loosely based on it um right. but yeah it is it is based on it yeah
1: but no, yeah, that was amazing. Um, you know, just the choreography on those fights and some of those sequences. Like the one of my favorites was the one with the undead Viking. That w- that was badass. Yeah, yeah. And also, like, I feel like. I, I was ready for it because uh, Robert Eggers actually uh, did some guest programming at the Cinematheque. And so th- he played uh, Conan the Barbarian, uh, the original Schwarzenegger one, which oh, I'd yeah. never seen before. So seeing that, then this, you know, it's just like, I f- I feel like I'm in sync with it. Conan the Barbarian.
2: I, I recently watched that like for the first time, because I've only seen clips or seen it on TV. That's one of those movies that it, It kind of feels like it had no right to be as good as it was, you know, like the like the villain was well thought out and had the best lines and monologues like that. James ah, Earl Jones. James Earl Jones was just so enigmatic and so just like stole your attention. Couldn't
0: take my eyes off of him the whole time. The big thing that I saw this week was men that the new Alex Garland movie, Uh, Alex Garland, who did Ex Machina and Annihilation. How was it? it's it's pretty good it's um it's an alex garland movie so it's more abject horror than his other ones it's less sci-fi although the third act goes complete alex garland which is another way of saying it goes complete david cronenberg jr but it it's it's basically about a woman played by jesse buckley who is terrific um who she goes to this country uh this country manor that she rents because her husband has just died and she wants to heal, and this country manor is really isolated. And it's located in a forest, which you know that sets the whole that sets you up for what's going to go on. She starts seeing this weird dude in the forest who like kind of starts stalking her, um, and it goes way deeper than that. Like the whole town is kind of crazy, so it kind of goes from home invasion to full horror. But it is it it's a crazy it's just beautifully creepy and it's one of those movies where you're like the whole time you're kind of confused and you're like is this gonna all come together is this gonna all come together and it comes together about as well as annihilation i should say you know it's it's it it kind of left me the end kind of left me feeling the same as annihilation where i'm kind of going i still not sure if i know what the fuck just happened but it was pretty you know there's one thing that happened at the tail end that i don't maybe once you guys see it we'll do like a mini so because it's not really a spoiler because i don't feel like it ties into the rest of the movie unless i miss something that that, that's the kind of movie it is where it's like i i feel like i need to see it again because i may have missed stuff in it um that might explain the ending better which i guess could be said about annihilation as well but um it's it's definitely worth seeing it's a i mean it's it's a from a technical standpoint, it's a masterpiece It's just the the ending just feels a little like he's like, "Okay, now I'm just gonna throw a bunch of goo in here, you know, mm. so I love that yeah, yeah. <laughs> you gotta have the goo yeah, so it's 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 good though i mean i I did enjoy it, and you know it right now it's probably it's somewhere in my top ten. I don't think it's as high as the Northman or X. It might be number three. It might be number three in my top ten. I don't know. I'd have to think about it. But yeah, second viewing,
2: Mike, right. because I that that's me with with some films that require like Annihilation. Like I really liked it the first time, but absolutely loved it the second time once I was able to like get with the pace.
0: Yeah, I think Alex Garland makes movies that you have to see because Ex Machina is the same way. Um, I think he makes movies that you have to watch a couple times to fully appreciate. So maybe that's what this is. Yeah, they're made to be analyzed.
2: Yeah. Uh, Did you guys watch the new Firestarter? Uh, No, no, I didn't. Oh, oh. First of all, I just want to shout out to John Carpenter and co because they presented a very excellent score, um, which is hard to follow up because the original was Tangerine Dream. So congrats on that. Um, I think it was John Squires that compared it to like early 2000s, 90s straight to video quality. And I I don't disagree with him. It it felt very of that '90s straight to video made for TV, Stephen King adaptation kind of. But that kind of worked for me a little bit. I don't know if it's a nostalgia for those days in the video store, just collecting every VHS and DVD of a King adaptation I could get my hands on. Um, but I kind of dug that a little bit. Uh, I will admit it, it is a little flat and was kind of hoping for more. Um, Zach Efron, I thought, was very great in it. Uh, Kurtwood Smith was in it for like two seconds, but like was obviously fantastic. Um, and and the and the lead girl was really good, but overall, it just kind of felt a, a little
0: flat. That's early two thousand straight to video. I mean, honestly, yeah.
2: I I wanted more, but I I wasn't upset with it. You know what I mean? Like uh, I I had fun. There's a few good moments, but I think just overall it was just a bit underwhelmed yeah i again uh i just wanted a little bit more uh but hey a king adap- always happy to watch the king adaptations you know even even when you get uh it's definitely not langolier's uh level <laughs> of cheese
1: i got it. so <laughs> yeah um as for me um there were not one but two horror movie marathons last weekend Jesus, how are you alive? Uh, well, here's here's what it was. Um, American Cinematheque era theater was doing what they called the Shadow Noir L.A. Horror Marathon. So it was all horror movies set and shot in Los Angeles. Um, let's see, I believe it was uh, Let's see, uh, They Live, uh, Society, Slumber Party Massacre, Angel, oh yeah, Chopping Mall, and Night of the Comet. And I wasn't there for the whole thing. I was mostly working uh, that day. So I was there for like the first half and and it, it was hilarious to hear a lot of people who'd never seen it before. His reactions to society and the uh, shunting scene. God, a lot of oohs and ughs back on the body horror. Yeah. A lot of uh, visceral reactions on that one. Um. And yeah, so I, and then I went to uh, the New Beverly afterward because they were doing a uh, mystery 90s marathon, which, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, uh, got to give them credit where credit is due. They went like deep cut on that one, like very uh, off the wall and like unheard of 90s movies like uh, they did uh, Brett Leonard's uh, Hideaway starring Jeff Goldblum and for Molina and uh, Warlock to the Armageddon. Uh, from Waxworks, Anthony Hickox, uh, then uh, Robin Flender's The Unborn. And then they ended it with perhaps the most 90s movie of all, Disturbing Behavior. Yes. <laughs> classic. Yeah, no, th- the audience uh, collectively lost its shit when uh, Flagpole sort started playing during the
0: movie. <laughs> was it one of those festivals where you don't know what's playing until it starts? Exactly. Okay, so they knew Disturbing Behavior was, or they didn't know Disturbing Behavior was coming. Correct, okay, cool, so wait, let me get this straight. so you went to was this all on the same day, so you yes. went to the l a marathon, then you worked yes. a shift and then went to the new Bev, yes, wow, so was that like a twenty four hour day for you uh more like sixteen hours, man, I had the drive, yeah,
1: what can I say i'm'm i I'm, I'm dedicated. you can't say that the boys at Ion whore
2: don't have endurance. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Uh, Another thing I saw was this uh, little micro-budget movie called Nightcaller. Have you guys heard about this? Um, I I think I've heard of it. I think it would be your shit, Jacob. It's very 70s giallo. Um, It's about a woman who's a... I mean, even the plot sounds like a 70s giallo. It's about a woman who... um, She's like a telephone psychic. And she starts getting calls from a killer. And he's basically confessing to these to these crimes before he does them. And she can, has a psychic LinkedIn. So he can, she can see him kill as he's doing it. And it's uh, story wise. I feel like it's a little, it's a little lacking and a little derivative, but from an aesthetic standpoint, they nail that, that seventies slasher giallo thing, you know, and um, Kelly Maroney, speaking of night of the comet, um, she plays the woman's mom in flashbacks and um, Steve Railsback plays the killer. The killer oh, is wow. actually known from the beginning, so it's not really a mystery. It, it's more of a mystery of how it's going to play out than it is. But it's a it's called Night It's a it's a brand new. I think it went straight to VOD. So I, I think it it's right up your alley, Jacob. I think you'd be into it. Hmm.
1: Uh, also, funny enough, Steve Railsback was the bad guy in Disturbed Behavior. Yeah, he's, yeah, connecting that together.
0: <laughs> he's hasn't he played both. Charles Manson and Helter Skelter and Ed Gein in uh, the Ed Gein movie as well. Um, I don't remember. I think I think he has. So but either way, that movie does sound like it's up my alley. Yeah, I think it is. I think it's definitely something that you'd be into. So you might you should uh, keep an eye out. For. Oh, definitely.
2: Speaking of Charles Manson and Ed Gein, look at this beautifully orchestrated segue. Uh, while I was in <laughs> Vegas, Uh, I had to do something spooky before I left. So I went to uh, Zach Baggins um, Haunted Museum. Have you guys heard of this place? I have not. No. Uh, Scott Baggins is uh, one of the guys from Ghost Hunters uh, and does a lot of those like ghost hunting programs on Discovery and and that. And so he bought this haunted house and that used to it's, I guess, used to have like bad satanic rituals in there i i like to preface the bad kind not the not the good (laughs) kind um and then was a law office for a while because you know it had to get more evil and then and then he bought it and he's filled it with um bad energy items you know haunted items and you know it it's fine there's a lot of, uh, I how, how, how do I put it best? There's a lot of celebrity death items in there. So there's, there's stuff where it's like, this chair was in the room that Michael Jackson died in, or this, you know, they had, I don't know if you guys ever watched the program Cat House on HBO, but they had the deathbed for Nevada's biggest uh, brothel owner, who also became an assemblyman post-mortem. Because, uh, you know, Vegas. Um, that was weird. Cause they had his bed and then the tour guide flat uh, used a UV light to show the stains. Cause you know, it's a bed from a whorehouse. Um, <laughs> and I think that should surmise the, the experience. Cause they had a lot of like real items that were from stuff like they had the day buck box, the infamous one. Um, they had a piece from James Dean's car, you know, that he uh, died in and it, There were a lot there was a lot of items that were legit and cool that, you know, required a lot of respect, but they were surrounded by a hokey uh, haunted house uh, setting, you know, like um, they had Ed Gein's cauldron that he um, supposedly would, you know, uh, gut and drain his victims into. And it was in this room in this house that was made to look like a barn. And they had like a mannequin hanging from the ceiling and stuff. And they had like a basement where the supposedly really bad satanic rituals happened and like children were murdered down there. But like, it's like a very tight corridor down there and there's a pentagram painted on the ground. And they had one of those like uh, electro boxes going. So it was like very creepy and then like spooky because you're like, oh wow, the really bad satanic rituals re- really happened here. And then you just tap on the wall and you realize that it's like you know a construct wall, and like they repurposed the the basement to be spooky. So it, it was very hit or miss for me. Uh, but they did have cool stuff, like they had Bella Lugosi's haunted mirror there, which was really cool. They had pieces from uh, the ship that Natalie Wood, uh, you know, disappeared off of. And uh, Jay, you'll be happy. They had the rocking chair from uh, one of Ed and Lorraine Warren's uh, cases there. The one where I, I think it was like haunting in Connecticut, you know, the child possession. And if you pay extra, you got to get close and look at the rocking chair. Uh, and that was the only VIP thing that I skipped on because we all know my opinions on Ed and Lorraine Warren. Um, but yeah, it was fun. It was very touristy um you know and if you pay you know for the vip thing you get to experience a few extra things you know go through a little tunnel you get to go into a room where there's a lot of creepy dolls and one of them is you know bad juju and all that fun stuff
0: only one of them and they don't tell you which one no
2: they do tell you which one and it's also (laughs) very obvious which one it was like the first room and it did legitimately creep me the hell out but um they also um i think the room that I thought was the best presented was the Jack of work room. Cause they had the actual van that he performed uh, a lot of the assisted suicides in. They had the van there and that one, I, 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 I never want to say I enjoy these things, but that one, I thought they put the most respect in, you know um, it wasn't, you know, haunted housey. It was just like, a lot of facts, a lot of uh, facts about the people who made that decision. And I thought that was very well done. Um, but yeah, I mean, and if you do the VIP thing, you get a free shirt. So, you know, it's, it's,
0: it's very Vegas-y. Uh So, yeah, <laughs> there that. used to be um, somewhere here in San Diego. It might even still be there somewhere, or maybe it might've moved to LA. It was called the museum of death. Yes. Oh yeah. Yeah. Okay. It's still around. Yeah. That's in Hollywood. Okay, yeah, it used to be down here in San Diego, and um, the the I went to it. I mean, this is at least twenty years ago, probably twenty five, and they had um, cool stuff like um, like they had one of John Wayne Gacy's paintings, mm-hmm. and um, the thing that most affected me of what they had was um, they had a, a prison outfit that. I don't know which, who, which prisoner it was. Um, they had his name there, but it wasn't a household name, but it was what he was wearing when he was executed in the electric chair. And they, and you could see like burn marks on it and you could see where they cut it to attach the electrodes and stuff. It was yeah, pretty damn creepy. Um, and then there was like exploitative stuff. Like they had pictures, you know, of like crime scenes and, and one room you go in and they're playing um, not faces of death. One of the real ones, like traces of death or, you know, one of the yeah. ones that's actually real, not, reenactments they're playing that video as you walk around the room so some of it was was exploitative but some of it um was actually kind of cool it sounds like the same kind of thing where like you know you have to hunt for the nuggets of cool within all the cheese <laughs>
2: you know and that's the thing too is that they did have a room in uh the haunted museum where it was built like a jail and they had artifacts from john wayne gacy uh charles manson ted bundy and it was all like legit fact stuff like Ted Bundy's murder kit and stuff. And that room felt like museum of Death because I went there six years ago. That was actually one of uh, the early dates I went on with uh, our producer, Lindsay Gant. Um, and she brought her little sister out with us. And I, I mean, if to compare the two, I preferred the museum of death because they had, it was more artifact based and, and they had a lot of facts with it. And I thought, and it's more true crimey than it is trying to be haunted house, you know, um, definitely towards the end of that experience, it felt more exploity. Uh, but then again, they had a whole room dedicated to Gigi Allen. Uh, so, you know, I, I dug that. Um, but I, I do vividly remember in, uh, Uh, Museum of Death. There's a hallway where it was just a bunch of photographs of this couple that like murdered her husband, and they were naked and covered in blood. And you saw like them decapitate the head and stuff, and it was very real and very shocking. And
0: And they they, and they they cut off his penis and stuck it in his mouth. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, very very graphic stuff. It sounds like the same people who run who run it but they might have gotten more stuff for LA cuz there was no Gigi Allen room when i saw it but yeah. that i remember that photo exhibit the series of pictures of that couple and, yeah. and and it was um there was a hallway with the crime photos like you're talking about but it was the staircase down cuz this whole thing was in a basement kind of of, oh, of okay. the building so it, they were on the walls of the staircase that you after they take your ticket you go down this staircase to get to the exhibits oh
2: see when in la they had it in the hallway leading to the exit if you needed to exit early
0: oh and, if you exit early yeah, yeah <laughs> and i just remember
2: going down it and i was like oh god this is so fucking graphic and i turn around i see Lindsay and her little sister who was just like just barely 18 and they started going down the hallway i was like no 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 no, we don't we don't don't go down here
0: <laughs> but yeah, the, I, yeah the, those ones were a bit my it, that was like rotten.com crap yeah me. yeah
2: So if you guys like true crime and like spooky stuff and you want to possibly be cursed by the debit box, uh, you know, haunted (laughs) museum and museum of death, you know, they're fun destinations in your favorite tourist areas of LA and Vegas. (laughs)
1: Let's see. Uh, I was at the, the new Beverly, uh, earlier this week, and they were playing a, uh, double feature of rare Hong Kong horror movies. Ooh. Yeah. Uh, it was, yeah, I hadn't even really heard of these, but um, okay. So the first one was this uh, anthology or duology movie called The Day That Doesn't Exist, which turns out is February 30th. That makes sense because there's only 28 days in and February, 29 in the leap year oh shit you're right yeah. uh, but anyway yeah so the first yeah, it's like the first segment's kind of a monkey's paw situation where like a bride to be's husband dies in a car accident and she wishes he was back alive and he comes back as a ghoul and then the second one is about this deadbeat dad who also gets into a car accident but he wakes up in the body of this rich socialite with his beautiful wife so he's trying to figure out whether he wants to go back to his old life but it turns out uh the person whose bodies he's in possession of has all kinds of secrets uh so it was a very tales from the crypt uh, type of movie like Especially in that Hong Kong horror type of way, where there's a lot of mix of uh, slapstick with the horror, because uh, like there's this bumbling cop character named Charles Chan, who uh, the running gag is he gets his arms broken for both movies, and uh, yeah, no, it's so it was pretty fun. Although the second movie was was really wild. It was called Evil Cat, and uh, it's basically a Wuxia version of Fallen. Because it's about um, like this uh, construction site accidentally popping open this container that contained uh, an evil cat demon that starts going around possessing people and also has its own like martial arts style. And this uh, priest and this uh, car driver have to team up to try and track down who's possessed by the evil cat and exercise it with uh, holy arrows and yeah that one was much more violent and uh, dramatic and had some pretty great fight choreography between the evil cat who looked kind of like you know a cat's cat when fully transformed and lots of people getting impaled with like claws to, to the gut uh you yeah, know I, I just i really like hong kong horror movies just because you have no idea how off the wall it's gonna get Those all sound like amazing things that I need to watch
2: almost immediately.
1: Yeah, unfortunately, Uh, apparently they're pretty hard to track down or rare because that's the unfortunate thing, you know, just so many Hong Kong horror movies never really made it officially stateside. Yeah. But if you can find it, I'd recommend it, especially, uh, again, Evil Cat. I will definitely try to track these down if I can.
2: Um, another thing that I did, uh, was I listened to the audio book of Cassandra Peterson's memoirs, cruelly yours, um, Cassandra Peterson, of course, of Elvira fame. Yeah. And did she, did she do the reading? She did do the reading and I cannot recommend it enough. First of all, it's a great read. I have a physical copy as well. Um, but I got a quarter of the way through it and, you know, it's a long drive to Vegas and back from LA. So, uh, hearing it from, you know cassandra's own words and uh it's it's just so good because she wrote it with a bit of sass too on occasion and so it really comes through in there and man cassandra peterson really was a real life forrest gump like she just met famous people all throughout her life and she details not only how she got the elvira role but like like the first 20 or so chapters have nothing to do with elvira it's just her life before it because she led such a cool life she was a go-go dancer Uh, Vegas showgirl when she was 17, you know, uh, for a year, she met Elvis, Jimmy Page, Jimi Hendrix, just to name a few before she was even like 20, like just all around coolest person ever. She lived in a haunted mansion, uh, not on purpose either. She just loved the place. And it's just so cool. um, All her stories and she remembers them so vividly as well um i can't recommend the audiobook enough uh i obviously go out and buy a copy but if you want to listen to the audiobook don't forget there's the app libby uh we're not sponsored by them but i fully support you know uh public libraries and it you can listen to it through there uh, by connecting it to your uh library card
0: so yeah check it out uh we're going to segue now into our topic by discussing something that at least Korea and I have watched uh, on HBO max, the baby. Yes. It's this, my new favorite show. <laughs> it, it it's, it is crazy. This is like, honestly, you'll be hooked within the, it, it, the first scene. If you start watching the baby um, one thing that, and I always say, this is the one thing that deserves to be spoiled in any movie or TV show this baby kills a dog. Okay. So, wow. N- know that. Yeah. Well, I mean, this baby, it, this baby kills a lot of things, but one of them is a dog. So if you're sensitive to, to animal, when we were watching it, um, when the dog scene is happening, my wife's like, if it kills this dog, I'm out, I'm done, I'm done. And sure enough, you're like, oh, really? Oh, so anyway, if you're sensitive to that, this might not be for you, but um, this is the most crazy it's a TV show. It's it's like a series and the episodes are half an hour long and there's four of Mount as at the time of this recording. So it's a pretty quick watch.
2: And and it's absolutely it's a horror comedy. So the, the premise of it is there's this uh, woman. Uh, it's a Brit, this British woman who, you know, her friends are either have babies or are pregnant and she takes some time to go kind of clear her head about that because she's very staunch, does not want a kid, you know, And while she's, uh, you know, clearing her mind in this cabin, um, this woman, it's like at the bottom of a cliff. This woman is running from the cops with a duffel bag. She opens up. They make her open up the duffel bag and there's a baby in it. And then the woman jumps off the cliff um, and goes splat next to the main character who's down below smoking a cigarette. Uh, It is then promptly followed by the baby crawling off the cliff and falling into the
0: the main character's arms. And yeah, she happens to look up. She looks up to see where did this woman come from? And the baby just lands in her arms, you know?
2: (laughs) And essentially this baby is like a cursed object, basically. Like it, it, like people just keep dying around it. It's very weird. Like people almost instantly are just like, oh yeah, that's your baby. She's like, this is, this is not my baby. I did not just suddenly have a baby. And it's, the, the comedy in it is just on point. The creepy factor is absolute. I, and Lindsay pointed this out uh, very early on the baby stares. Like, you, you know how babies just stare at things? It makes sense. They don't know what the fuck's going on. They the show uses it to its advantage. And those baby stares, which are already inherently creepy, are just on point. The, the set of baby like the I think it's twin babies that they have amazing performance out of those babies and they just
0: stare. But the thing is the stairs, the stairs are not like, you know, Damien from the Omen stairs. They're like those wide eyed baby stairs that babies always do. But in the context of what's going on in the show, it's, it's totally creepy. And um, it's, it's funny because like this woman who has this baby, she tries to ditch it, but like, she'll like try to ditch it somewhere and then her car won't start until she goes back and gets the baby and then her car will start. I mean, there's like weird stuff like that. She can't get away from this baby.
2: Yeah. And it, and you can definitely tell that the baby's like influencing people around it and it's influencing her. Cause there's other parts where she's like trying to, uh, you know, there, you, you get to a point where she's like trying to kill this baby and she can't uh, cause like, in, you know, it influences her instincts and whatnot. And mm-hmm. It uh, right. the commentary there of unwanted pregnancy is just absolutely done so well. It's it's not subtle. It's not a subtle no. show. I mean, we're talking about a killer baby show, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but it's not on the unsubtlety of like rubber, you know, where with the killer tire. Um, <laughs> but like it it it's definitely it's not subtle, but like it's it's just played so, out so well. And
0: it's about uh, as subtle as don't look up. That Netflix show that ab- about climate change. <laughs>
2: I'd say it's a little, it's a bit more subtle, but like, yeah, no, it's not far off. Uh, but de- uh, yeah, I can't recommend it enough. It's just so funny. It's so atmospheric. The score and soundtrack. The are-
0: score. The the music is incredible because the music is like you you think it's diegetic sound, like um like when the woman is running from the cops, you know, and you. Yeah. <laughs> and then all of a sudden you realize that's the rhythm track to yeah. the score because then they'll build over it. and that happens so many more times like you'll hear like dripping water or clanging pipes and then you'll realize you're like oh shit that's part of the score it's the yeah. score is incredible
2: yeah it's very uh there's a lot of throat singing in it uh, a lot of a lot of throat singing and chanting um and it really lends into because the deeper you get into the series you the uh you start to get into like the history behind the baby. Like this is like, she's de- obviously she's not the first one. Cause you see the woman in, at the, at the very top of the show, but like how long has this been going on? Who else has, has this baby, uh, who else has this baby like affected and whatnot. And yeah, that, that fourth, that fourth episode was absolutely bonkers. And uh, I, I can't wait, man. Like it's, I, I'm almost, I'm, it was one of those ones where like, you know, a few episodes that come out. So I did a little bit of a binge and now I'm all caught up and I'm kind of pissed off that I have no more episodes to watch until the new one comes out.
0: I kind of do, I was just thinking, this is like must see TV. It's like, I can't wait for the next episode, but um, I, I, I'm kind of pissed that I didn't wait for the end either. Cause it was, I mean, it's a pretty quick binge too. And when, and we, when we were done with the four episodes, I'm like, that's it. There aren't any more.
2: (laughs) I know. I need, I need more baby, the baby.
1: Yeah, I'm interested in seeing how they get, you know, revolve an entire series around a killer baby because you know, you see there are a lot of movies about killer babies, but a
0: TV show, you know, I think that's the first. And it's you bring up a lot of movies about killer babies, mhm, which yes. we are the king of segways today. We are segwaying <laughs> so hard today. Do you want to introduce the topic Korea? Cuz yeah. nothing nothing is better than three males talking about pregnancy and babies but we're gonna do it
2: yeah i am well uh, this week's topic is definitely inspired by recent news um and of course hbo max is the baby uh we want to talk about pregnancy horror and uh and dive a little bit into uh killer babies and whatnot um but as jacob said there's a lot of them out there and that's because you know there's a lot of Scary shit that can happen uh, throughout the entire real life experience of it. And one of the things about horror that's so great and beautiful is that there's the idea of processing horrific things or things that scare us. That's not only palatable, but there's a bit of catharsis with it um, and in addressing these issues. And so we just wanted to highlight some films uh, that cover these topics very well. And to start off, I mean, there's so few directors that can handle a topic that has to do so much with body than David Cronenberg. And I think two of his films uh, embody the fears that can come with um, pregnancy and just fear on either side of, this, uh, of the equation with that, than The Brood and The Fly. Um, the fly it's more so just as that one scene of Gina Davis giving birth to the fly human hybrid. And that fear of giving birth to something uh, abnormal or the pre- or the pregnancy going wrong. Uh, but the brood, I mean, those babies w- weren't conceived in the most conventional sense. They were essentially like uh, products of her rage, you know, and, and,
1: uh, God, those things were so fucking creepy, man. And I was like the little weird rubber
0: masks. It's so funny for me to, because I saw The Brood when I was probably way too young to see The Brood. When I was, you know, probably like eight or, you know, nine. And I remember at the time it was just this scary ass horror movie. But Then when you watch it later in life, you realize all the subtleties and all the you know, basically for lack of a better word, commentary that's going on. And, and, and it, it, it almost becomes scarier, but like, there are a lot of movies like that where I'll look back on that. I saw that I just thought was, you know, when you pick up on the nuances as an adult, but when you watch them as a kid, you're like, Oh, this, you know, like, like the Friday, the 13th movies, you don't realize that he's killing, the people who are having sex until it's pointed out to you later on but like if, if you're like 10 watching these movies you're like oh yeah he's just killing kids right hmm.
2: well and it's uh, it's the same with the brood i mean like the the brood themselves are manifestations of the rage she feels towards the uh abuse that she experiences as a child and so it, it really speaks to uh survivors and ptsd and you know uh, to put it lightly, the baggage that we carry from these experience and how it can affect you. I mean, for the most part, we're not going to manifest that into, you know, demonic babies that come out of us, but you know um, that feeling is there that if you carry this with you, that it can grow and manifest into you into uh, something that is uncontrollable. It, it's yeah. It preys on a lot of fears on both sides, not only dealing with these, you know, brood but uh the being the you know the one that creates them um what are what are some of the films that that you guys
1: well um i i mentioned it earlier i was going to say the uh, say the mainly uh, the main discussion for uh the topic um yeah, i saw that uh, rodman flender movie from the 90s the unborn well if you haven't seen it it's basically about this couple that want to conceive a baby and they decide and they've been having a lot of trouble so they, they decide to uh have a, a go through a an experimental fertilization procedure done so uh you know the, the that goes in these types of movies so uh yeah it doesn't doesn't go quite as planned um and yeah it's a lot of a lot to do with kind of the uh, fears of uh genetic manipulation and uh just you know kind of like uh, you know where the nature between like uh sci- science and pregnancy and uh you know where that can go because yeah like the like some of the women that get impregnated with this technique start to go crazy and kill people. And there's a lot of body horror. And when one of these super babies is actually born, it just starts going around killing people. Yeah. So I get, you know, a lot of, uh, there are definitely some of these movies which kind of tap into the fear of, I guess, kind of the combination of the societal pressures to have a baby and, you know, just kind of what lengths, uh, you know,
0: couples would go to conceive. Have you guys seen uh, the movie Proxy? Uh, no. No. It's from a few years back. It's um, it basically, is, it's about a, it, it actually has one of the most effective opening scenes that, that I can remember ever seeing. But it's about a woman who, um, she's leaving her OBGYN's office and she is not really mugged. She's attacked in the street, just like, you know, brutally attacked and she loses her baby and then she goes to a support group to like to to kind of get over it and she meets another woman who has a kid is pretending not to have a kid it's really it's 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 kind of a, like you're saying it's kind of a weird statement on you know people who want to have kids and people who don't want to have kids you know but it i just remember the opening scene when i was watching it it was one it was one of those holy shit moments you're like oh my god really wow damn gonna have to add that
2: one to the list Um, What about Prevenge? I know we've discussed it a few times on the show, but that's another just brilliant horror comedy out there. Uh, I think it's still on Shudder at this time. And it's about a it's a British comedy slasher about this uh, woman who and it's uh, written and directed uh, by Alice Lowe, who was actually pregnant at the time. And, you know, as her pregnancy in the movie, as her pregnancy goes on, she starts to hear the voice of her unborn child uh, telling her to kill. And we have that beautiful uh, line of dialogue where the husband's going, you're grieving. I'm not grieving. I'm I'm gestating fucking rage.
0: It reminds me of of a scene in the office where um, Pam is pregnant and she's getting sick from smells. And Dwight says, a tiny fetus is calling the shots. That's so (laughs) badass.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it kind of ties into what we were talking about with the brood. Yeah. And
2: and that fear of, like, what's manifesting in you, uh, especially, you know, uh, and there's two sides of that, you know, like there's the the movies where it's it's someone that wants it and they're afraid that something, you know, evil is coming out. So there's, you know, uh, Prevenge or Rosemary's Baby where I was just you know, about to say
0: that's that's Rosemary's Baby as well. Yeah. Oh, yeah. You know,
2: where it's something that they wanted. But like, you know, Rosemary's Baby is definitely feeds upon like, you know, not only morning sickness and a lot of the other symptoms that come out of it, but the extreme of it, you know, she's losing weight while she's pregnant. It's like sucking the life force out of her. And then of course you get to the end and you find out, you know, it's, it's the son of uh, Satan and whatnot that the neighbors put in her. But yeah, I mean, there's, there's a lot to draw on with it. Um, I'm surprised uh, Jay hasn't brought up his favorite movie yet. Boogie nights.
0: (laughs) Well, I don't, there's a there's a pregnancy in Boogie Nights, but I don't think it's a plot point.
2: <laughs> well, I was going to say a quiet place because oh, ah, yeah. a quiet place isn't entirely about the horrors of pregnancy. But like, I mean, that's the the birth scene Yeah, um, yeah. alone, just trying to give birth in a post in an in a in a unfriendly environment for one to give birth
0: that's one of the things i don't get about a quiet place because when she's pregnant basically to term it it's like 400 and something days which means they conceive that child after this stuff was all going down it's like first of all how do you do that that quietly and second why would you do that why would you bring a child into that knowing selfishly that this kid is going to cry and scream and possibly jeopardize you and your family's life. That's the one thing I don't understand about a quiet place is why they even got pregnant. Well,
2: two things. First of all, you have sex quietly. Um,
0: (laughs) Maybe you do.
2: Oh, I mean, I be, hey, man, <laughs> hey, let's not get into each other's sex noises here. Um, but no, I mean, like, I, I mean, you know, you you have to you have to have those moments with with your uh, partner, you know, I mean, like, you got to have that connection every now and then, you know, the kids in the other room. Why not? Um, but also you got to true. Remember- they
0: did have three other kids. So.
2: <laughs> yeah. But also you got to remember this is uh, a post a, a quiet place is a post apocalyptic, you know, Setting and so. What
0: I may have just answered my own question: Did their youngest kid already get snatched up by the monsters when they conceived? Because I think it was 400 days after. So that might they might have been trying to fill that. I may have just answered my own question. They may have been trying to to fill that gap in their lives by having that other kid. Because you know we're spoiling a quiet place. But if you haven't seen it by now, and you listen to us, then you're. You know, what are you doing with yourself? Um, Because in that opening scene, when that when that first son gets snatched, um, then I feel like it's in the future that she's pregnant. Yeah, I may I may have just answered my own question about a quiet place. They may have been trying to kind of fill the grief by having another child. Yeah,
1: Yeah. although I do think it is worth highlighting that. Yeah, it's the horrors of being uh, pregnant in, in a hostile environment, because, you know, what's worse than being pregnant? being pregnant with a bunch of monsters around. Yeah. Just at the, at the very
2: baseline, just not having the necessities to, to ensure a safe birth. I mean, she was by herself in the bathtub and, you know, also had, you know, this, the monsters that are attracted to sound around her. I mean, it's, it's giving birth is already terrifying so in that environment it's elevated and yeah i think i thought they handled that sequence absolutely terrifically it's it's very nail-biting um but also just remember that they're in a post-apocalyptic environment so there's no doctors there's no guy in colleges there's no one to prescribe uh birth control i'm sure you know this you know and that environment they probably ran out of condoms and resources you know what i mean so like the the resources just aren't there and that's terrifying i mean you you, there's no way of tracking if it's healthy you know like uh it it really is a miracle child kind of to put it weirdly and and the second one they continue it because i mean it's not only the the giving birth but it's maintaining this baby's life without attracting monsters that are attracted to sound and babies are loud i mean i don't have one personally but i've heard them through walls you know with neighbors and stuff and babies can be pretty fucking loud so i mean kudos for them for taking on that challenge because that's
1: that's rough yeah no i I feel like a lot of pregnancy horror is uh predicated upon you know just kind of like the environment and sort of surroundings of the pregnancy uh you know like you were talking about before with like um rosemary's baby which i feel you know kind of the more I reflect on it it's just kind of a common trope uh that um is a lot of times it isn't just the horror of the of the pregnancy or what was done with the pregnancy, but, you know, just kind of the surrounding reactions or like pressures from other people about the pregnancy. Cause you know, they feel like there's kind of a stock character in these types of stories who just like, whenever something is going weird or wrong with a pregnancy,
0: like somebody else be like, no, no, it's fine. You know, have the, you need to have the baby. Have you guys seen, um, this is going to be a little bit of a spoiler that it, uh, that it, it, that it applies to our topic, but you guys see red Christmas. no No. okay red christmas um and if you don't want it to be spoiled fast forward you know about 15 seconds the whole thing with red christmas is that um this family is being stalked by a killer and the the spoiler is that the killer is the the mom is played by d wallace and the killer is her failed abortion (laughs) from way back when. So it's a Jesus. Yeah, it's it's a pretty messed up uh climax. It's a pretty messed up twist. And you're like, really? Uh, yeah. Anyway, just made me think of that when we were talking about, you know, have the baby, have the baby. Well, and continuing with that, there's also
2: the kid, uh Kindred, not the Kindred, but Kindred that came out in 2020 that uh starred Tamara Lawrence and uh Fiona Shaw. About a woman who uh finds out that she's pregnant and her husband dies shortly after. And so Fiona Shaw from Killing Eve uh and Fleabag um is like the mother-in-law, and she forces Tamara Lawrence to kind of stay in the house because they're it's almost like they're they're wanting to replace the dead son uh with her uh kid. And it's just really weird and atmospheric. And you talk about a movie where you know you have those characters that are like, Try, forcing this woman against almost pretty much against her will the entire time to have this baby. Just uh, that's, that's a real creep fast that snuck up on me quite a bit.
1: Definitely. And um, I think perhaps one of the ultimate pregnancy horror movies is alien. Oh yeah. <laughs> you know, cause if it, you know, that uh, uh, was, you know, like Dan O'Bannon tapping into the fears of pregnancy, but for men, you know just just the, just the idea of it being invasive and forced upon it, like we were discussing before with the body horror you know just um it, you know it's like applying a trope that usually is applied to someone else to some uh, someone else entirely yeah and and you know it's still consider one of the scariest movies of all time there's just the alien franchise as a whole
2: i mean prometheus had that super gnarly scene oh yeah naomi rapaz is you know uh essentially aborting the xenomorph that's inside her in such a graphic and gnarly scene i mean yeah The Alien franchise is very much so uh, body horror and I will fight anyone on that because so much of it, you know, is about that violation of body of something entering you uh, and forcing, you know, not only consuming you uh, but killing you in the process and yeah, it it definitely preys on a lot of those fears uh, and and terror. It's effective and you're right, uh, putting it into men, it's so it's a lesson learned uh for certain. Mm-hmm.
1: <laughs> yeah, and that's the thing like I feel like so many of these movies are uh predicated upon, you know, the horrors of having uh bodily autonomy and agency violated, you know, like a lot of you know, uh yeah, I mean, how many uh horror movies involve you know like somebody being uh forcibly impregnated by the devil or, you know, like cults or uh, yeah, you know, like I, I was thinking uh, again. You know, spoilers for a movie that's been out for a ridiculously long time. Uh, The House of the Devil. You know, just this. You know, just it's like the women being treated as an incubator instead of as a human being. Yeah, and or even uh, one of our favorite
2: films of last year, Titan.
0: Oh uh, yes, yes, okay, yeah.
2: I mean, if you're getting into pregnancy horror, what's more terrifying than being impregnated by a car? I was gonna say
0: giving birth to a car.
2: Yeah, I mean, yeah, and and you're right. I mean, spoilers
0: uh, for TITAN. We're spoiling everything today.
2: Apologies, folks. <laughs> uh, but at, at the at the end of the day, yeah, the uh, a lot of the basis of a lot of uh, gyna horror, I believe, uh, is the uh, is the term. Um, Comes from that violation of, as Jacob said, autonomy of having control over one's body, of, you know, that violation of something entering it, whether it be a xenomorph for Satan himself, you know, and having to uh, carry it to term or just, you know, having it consume you from the inside. And, you know, it's, it, I, every single one of these films that we've talked about has you know, holds up and those fears are still here. And with the recent news, you know, um, that's been going around, I, I think they're more prevalent than ever because, you know, there's, I mean, <laughs> as Jay said at the beginning, we're three men talking about pregnancy and the horrors of it. Something that we we will probably never experience. Um, and yet we're sharing our opinions on it. And so, you know, there's a lot of that going on right now. We're just and, three
0: liberal grifters. Yeah.
2: Liberal <laughs> grifters pushing
0: our agenda. Um, See, but, we do. We do read our reviews. <laughs> yeah, we
2: do. Uh, very much so. Sometimes on repeat in our heads for days. Um, but Yeah. I mean, these these fears are here because they're very real. These are these are very real. I know, as I said from the beginning, horror is something to process fear, to process um, real life uh, in palatable ways. Something that is makes it uh, not only comprehensible uh, and palatable for yourself, uh, but to have others experience it as well. And I think, um, gyna horror is, is one of those important genres, uh, just as any other, uh, genre where, you know, uh, marginalized groups share their real life experiences in a way for others to experience, you know? Um, so yeah, I say like, broaden your horizons, watch more of these films. I mean, they're, they're out there, uh, and they're being made today. I mean, we just had the very great, um, uh, you know, a uh, false positive come out last year on Hulu with Alana Glazer, uh, which was very atmospheric, oh, yeah. very creepy, very bonkers. Uh, and then you also have anti birth with uh, Natasha Leon, which is absolutely phenomenal. And it's not just her. It's also, you got Meg Tilly in there. I mean, Natasha Leon and Meg Tilly, you should already be sold on that
0: movie. Um, but yeah. I think a lot of these movies also another thing that's terrifying about them is they deal kind of with loss mm-hmm. and um, because like, if you look at um, mo- even movies like, like the omen where um, they know this kid is a child of the devil. And I, one of the most powerful scenes in the omen is the one where the dad knows he's got to kill this kid, but the kid is looking at him. No, no daddy. No. You know, he's turned from the son of the devil into his son again. And, and you're, and he like, can't do it. You know, there's yeah. this movie from around the same time as proxy called absence. It's about, um, th- this is a little on the nose with the loss thing, but, um, basically it's about a woman who, um, she has a, she has a pregnancy, she's carried a term and she wakes up one morning and it's gone. She's just not pregnant anymore. And she has not had the kid or anything. And so it's one of those, I mean, how terrifying would that be to wake up all of a sudden you're just not pregnant. You yeah. know, mm-hmm. Midnight Mass covers that as well, and I know that it's it that sits into re, to Rosemary's baby baby as well because, like, you know, this cult wants her baby, and she's like, "No, you can't have my baby." He's like, "Oh no, she, he's got her father's eyes." You know, he's got his father's eyes. You know, but who's his father?
2: It's it's something that grew inside you, and is and is is very much so yours and a part of you, and it's immediately taken away. You yeah, know, that's yeah. it's a very real thing that happens every day uh in this system as well. You know, uh that sudden it's it's no longer yours. And that and yeah, Rosemary's baby feeds into that fear of autonomy because it's not hers, it's her father's, you know. Uh or the
0: baby's father, yeah. And how hard it is, even if that's the decision that's been made. I mean, and now, you know, yeah, we're getting into our liberal grifting again. But, you know, for the people who do choose adoption, that's basically what they're doing. They're doing the Rosemary's baby thing. Not everyone is also also has the choice when it comes to adoption.
2: Uh, Sometimes it is forced upon them due to our, uh, you know, systems in place. So, yeah. If you haven't gotten the point yet, uh we, we very much so believe that um if we people, haven't been liberal enough for you. Yeah, if we haven't been liberal <laughs> enough for you today, uh just remember everyone has the right to decide what to do with their body, uh especially women. And you know, uh there's no other takeaway from it from our us or our discussions and if if you disagree with us, we, you know, you're allowed to disagree, but um, that's where we stand. And, yep. you know, back to we'll, we'll next week, we'll return to uh, just, you know, talking about comic book movies
0: and horror movies and all that stuff. I mean, if you want to argue it, I, I don't think any of the three of us really want to entertain that, but let's hear it. If you disagree with us, let us know. And, you know, everyone is entitled to their own opinion. And we're, you know, th- the the eye on horror page is not the place to argue it. If you want to try to change our minds, good luck. But um hmm. yeah. so, um, I think this is a good place for us to uh, call this an episode. even if you disagree
2: with with those sentiments. check out these movies. They're phenomenal yeah, movies absolutely, uh, created by amazing filmmakers uh, all around. And you probably already have seen a few and didn't realize that yeah.
0: that's what they were about. And so, yeah, please yep. check out these cool. movies. yeah and. uh, let us know if we missed any of your favorite pregnancy movies that may even solidify the message, or if you know any that have the opposite message. Let us know. We 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 always love hearing about movies. Yep, there's a wide world of horror out there. Yes, there is. Uh, our theme song is by Restless Spirits, so go give them some love. And our artwork is by Chris Fisher, so go give him some love. Uh, you can find us at Ion Horror Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. We're everywhere or at iHorror.com. And uh, the, you know you should check out iHorror.com anyway, because they've got... It, Kelly had a great interview with Bria Grant that uh, you guys should all read. Yeah. Uh, that that That's our plug for iHorror at the end of this episode. <laughs> Kelly from Murmurs in the Morgue interview Bria Grant. So check that one out.
2: And I just want to give a shout out to uh, Chrissy Stockton uh, from Creepy Catalog, who put together a phenomenal list of gyna Horror uh, films that uh we we reviewed and uh did some uh helped with our research in this episode so thank you chrissy um that that was very helpful in uh
0: preparation for this episode so thank you yep thank you so we will see you in a couple weeks so for me james j edwards i'm jacob davison and i'm jonathan korea keep your eye on horror